Hey, welcome. Let's be seated. Great to see you here this morning. Might be a cold day, but it's really warm here. Warm hearts, warm atmosphere. Great to be here together. Great to see everyone again. Great to be back with you again. Just landed a couple of days ago, and we're still just a bit disoriented, but we're getting there. So I want to extend a great welcome, and especially welcome if you're a visitor here this morning. Yes, if you're visiting, we'd love to get to know you. And um, we'd love you to maybe go to that uh, visitor's lounge at the end of the service and have a cup of tea with us and let us talk to you. We really value you and we'd really like to get to know you. So just head in that corner at the end of the service. Great stuff. There's just four other people I'd like to mention today. You realise Michigan, there's a smoke-free fest fest last night and he had a special award, the best musician in Hawke's Bay. Wow. Wow. Come on. We're so proud of him. Come on, stand up, Mum and Dad. Come on, stand up, Mum and Dad. Whose son is this? Ah, <laughs> that's fantastic. That's well awesome. done. Absolutely Isn't it great? awesome. He serves in the house of God and then he's acknowledged in the region like that. Great. We're so proud of him. Also, Linda Brown, I gather this week, has finally finished her degree. Whoa, hey, Linda. Linda. It's, not a, it's a big thing with four children to go and study and get a degree, but where is Linda? Stand up, Linda. You're awesome. You've done it. Stan, we're so proud of you. That's just a tremendous feat. Long hours of study. Yeah. Long, hard hours of study. And Duncan, well done for releasing you to do it. I know you've had to pick up a few extra things as well. But congratulations, Linda. We're really proud of you. You've done very well. I know it's a a dream that goes back many years. And you've pursued your dream and you've done it. Good on you. You're an inspiration. A great role model for your kids too. They're all following (laughs) your footsteps. Wonderful. Awesome. Also, Bill, dear old Bill, our oldest member of the church. Hamish and Beryl went to pick him up today, but he's off to the emergency part of the hospital right now. I don't know, so maybe we'll just pray for him. eh? Lord, we just lift Bill before your throne of grace right now. Lord, we pray that you would surround him with your presence and your love. And Lord, you would touch his body. Lord, that you would strengthen him. You would be with him in such a very tangible way right now. We just commit him into your hands, Lord, that you would heal and restore him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So just keep Bill in your prayers. Great age, great man of God. uh, But right now he's in emergency. Lynette Love, I've just got a great itinerary here. In a week's time, Lynette Love is doing a whole week of meetings wow. all over the place. And uh, we're going to pray for her at the end of the service, but there's quite a few here that know her, know her story, and uh, we want to be aware of what she's happening. Yes, <laughs> she's actually going down to hear John Arnott in the weekend, and then she starts her ministry trips from Monday to Oh, Monday to Friday, the 24th to 28th. So just hold Lynette in your prayers. I'm proud of you, Lynette. It's amazing what God has done with a farmer's wife out there. But you're able to bring so much <laughs> hope and love of God and touch of God to so many. So Great we'll be so. praying for her. Now, what about us? What have we been up to? I've been well, away a month. When am I going to find out who visits you? I've just told them where to go. Are. I know, but I'd like to meet who they, they are. see who they are. I want to find out who they are. Don't tell them where to ah, go. Yes, if you're a visitor. <laughs> no, that's not good. No. So if you're visiting with us today, we'd love to give you a special welcome and uh, like to know who you are. Just just raise your hand. We've got a little gift we want to give to you. And anyone visiting for the first time uh, or second time or something like that, just raise your hands. God bless. Give me a clap over there. Over there there as well. Fantastic. Right. And we'd love for you to come and have a cup of tea, coffee at the back at the end of the service. It'd be great. Yeah. 
I did that in Indonesia. I went along and I went to the visitors' lounge. I wanted to see what, how visitors were treated. It was so cool. Great. I got given a nice big mug, and every day on my email now, I get a letter from that church with an inspiration. Awesome. That's very good. Well, I want to thank Pastor Lynn and the team for looking after the house while we've been away and uh, keeping everything going. Thank you very much. Great effort. Uh, and I appreciate that very much. And I hear great things. Things have been going really well. Meetings have been going well. This is wonderful. Thank you so much. Mm. And I uh, appreciate that. If you hadn't done that, it wouldn't have been possible for us to go and to be released to connect with thousands of people. So thank you again. Mm. And thank you the team that's all helped. And thank you for people who've stood in prayer over the time we've been away. It's been a very busy time. But uh, God, it's been incredibly productive. Once I'm busy, you know, just had uh, meetings, two, three meetings a day, almost uh, non-stop for three and three, just over three weeks. There's, there was no days of break. It was just every day, at least two a day, sometimes three a day. And uh, yet God has just been faithful and we've had the most amazing time and seen mm -hmm. God do so many different things. Would you like to tell them about some of the places we went? Right. One thing I do know is that we're right in the will of God and being released because there's such favor and such fruit around it all and we just feel such a joy in doing it. So it's wonderful that we can be released. But, um, we've, we went to Taiwan first, and uh, there's a church there that keeps having us back, and they really want and have built into the church the things that we carry here. All their leaders move powerfully in deliverance and healing of heart issues in their cell groups. They so closely nurture their cell group members, and they've learned and they're functioning in, but they still want a, an injection twice a year of keeping the whole thing alive, which is a great hunger. And it has actually really built something in the church. But uh, what they did, they had four zones and they divided uh, the church. So each zone had two nights. And, and, and the main about thing was about 800 in each zone, yeah. Yeah, about 800. And mainly there's just, Mike actually just waited on the Lord and got a list of older calls. And it was mainly ministry and freedom and um, just a whole release to these people. And you had amazing testimonies yeah. of people getting breakthroughs of yeah. uh, things that had gone back over years in their life, uh, people that had been adopted, people that had been sexually abused, people that had uh, had traumas in their life, uh, amazing encounters with the Lord. We had people out to it on the ground, just under the power of God for long periods of time. Mm. And, uh, and last night was incredibly touching in that particular church. Mm. We had uh, an, an, uh, an altar call I hadn't done before, but a girl mm. gave a testimony and she'd uh, been uh, really um, had a hard time at home, rejected by family, rejected by father, and struggled with relationships. And she got into same-sex relationships during her teen years, brought a lot of shame around her life. And uh, she stood up and courageously testified how in the last time we were up there, she'd come to the Lord, she'd been set free, and had come to a, uh, just a, a clean life now walking with the Lord. And it took a lot of courage to share a testimony like that. And I felt the Lord say he wanted to heal her and uh, that he wanted to touch others as well. So I got her up after we were introduced and thanked her for her courage in sharing so personally and uh, just honored her for being so courageous. And, and uh, we just uh, prayed for her and the Holy Ghost just came on. She had a massive release in her mm. life. It was extraordinary mm. and uh, was out <laughs> to it for quite a long time. And I felt to just, uh, because she'd been so courageous, to reach out to anyone else who was involved in same-sex relationships, had these affections, had issues of brokenness that had resulted in that kind of trouble. And we, I, I think we were staggered. Now, mm, you can't, water, water. can't believe the, the difficulty for Asians to come out in the open about this, mm. and yet there was such an atmosphere of love that 
they just streamed to the front. Mm. We had people from wall to wall. There must have been, oh, there were crowds of them. They were wall to mm. wall. So, like, you can imagine them running right across this wall here and uh, too deep. And then the presence of God came on, even before we even start to pray for them, mm. and just a spirit of love. And they began to break and weep and weep and weep. A lot of women, some mm. guys, and uh, some of them being abused, uh, uh, homosexual abuse, uh, lesbian abuse. Some had just entered these relationships. God just amazingly set people free. It was just mm. quite, it was just a powerful, powerful time. Mm. And, and uh, I, I haven't been in a meeting like that before where it was such a, an intense love of God that enabled people to be uh, so open about what they were struggling with in their heart. And so we had just amazing mm. numbers of people set free. And that was happening, you know, those kinds of meetings yeah. were happening every day. Every night we were there doing evangelistic meetings. Mm. So we had hundreds come to the Lord and, uh, and uh, multiple hundreds uh, come up in altar calls for ministry. It was just amazing. Many of them have been ministered to in the altar calls and then just in a seven-minute salvation message, they just flocked to the front at, at, at the end. But it was um, such a presence of love. They all talk about they feel the love so strong. And I think it's become quite clear that Mike's a prophet with love in Asia because he brings people close to God, uncovers the issues that separate them. But the presence of love makes them so safe and able to respond. It's... It's wonderful to, to see that. They all comment about yeah, it, don't they? amazing. So we were in a number of churches. We had but in that, that same church, you spent five mornings, three hours training a morning, them. training the leaders, more on heart issues this time. So there's intensive training going on every year we go to, into their leadership. And then the Sunday meetings are two or 3,000, aren't they? Saturday and Sunday. Mm. And then a business meeting. So there's a lot of meetings just in Taiwan, but a very fruitful time because Asians, you have to build relationships with them before they really open their hearts to them. And we've had long enough now in every place we went that they, there's a whole deeper level of relationship has come in every place. Yeah. They feel like we've got the relationship now to take it another level. And I think we sensed a so great increase. Yeah. In so we had others there that we'd, we'd ministered. Everyone we went to we've, we've known for a long time. Yeah. And the fruit is all starting to manifest in their life in quite an amazing mm. way. Had a guy there I've worked with, and some of the prophetic words I've had over his life are just unraveling now. And he's enormous favor financially, doors opening into, into China. His churches are growing and expanding in multiple churches since we've prophesied over him. Mm. And he's just taken the prophetic word and worked with it. Mm. And God has particularly enlarged that. And so, again, we had extremely accurate prophetic words over him. Mm. And then we went up into uh, Singapore to a, to a range of other churches we've worked with. We worked with one was the very first church I went to at the beginning in about 1990, my first church in Asia I went to, and uh, we've come back to revisit them this last year and a half to, uh, because they need a whole number of things. They need reviving in the things of the Spirit, which has been happening, and they also need a total fresh leadership change and direction, mm. uh, which is similar to what we're experiencing here. And so we're able to help them in a whole number of ways and to work with them and just amazing presence of God just coming. Uh, it was just, and the thing that surprised me this time was how easy everything was. There was mm. no effort, no struggle, no difficulty in getting breakthroughs in every meeting. And on the last uh, night with the worship team in that particular church, we had like an open heaven and people came into encounters. They were just lying on the ground. They were uh, out to it on the ground. They were coming, they came into a whole number of them had experiences with God and were out to it for long periods of time. We're, we're seeing more and more and more of that. Mm. And uh, in that particular time, uh, I had a, you, as I was leading them, normally when you're leading people, you can't sort of 
get involved yourself. You're trying to lead the meeting. But this time I felt the Lord say, just step in. And so I began to step in too and then had the most amazing encounter. The moment I just uh, stepped into where we're leading everyone, um, I just had a, a, an encounter. We had, had two miscarriages many years ago and, and I, I met with both the grown-up children. Just saw them straight away. I knew them. Mm. And they began to talk to me. And then uh, Jesus spoke with me for a little, and he began to just lay out some things he wants me to focus on and do in the coming season in our life. So it was quite an extraordinary time. Mm. So I saw a, uh, two of the children we'd miscarried at the age they would now be, and mm. identifiable. I can <laughs> see them quite clearly, all the detail <coughs> about them. And, uh, and it was interesting just to, I've never had that experience like that, to connect. Three of our children have, but I've never had it. So mm. it was quite interesting. Also met a grandchild that we'd lost through miscarriage, and uh, he, he recognized me as well. Uh, also met with Jesus carrying our latest grandchild that was miscarried. And uh, so we, we had quite an, I had an interesting time in the spirit, just as, a, as an overflow of what everyone else was getting. It was the very mm. last meeting, very last night, before we quit and went home. So it was mm. quite a, a touch of God at that time. Mm. It was interesting, even the very first meeting, even without praying for anybody, people were lying on the floor being Falling delivered, down, yeah, just yeah. coughing up spirits, furiously coughing up, and nobody had even touched them. Even the pastor was out the back. It was the pastor's son, actually. Yeah. The yeah. Pastor's and the pastor out the back the was yeah. being delivered. The pastor out the back. And nobody had even said anything. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting in that church is that there's um, roots in all the leadership that had stopped them from having a strong visionary lead. And... The roots had never been dealt with. And so uh, we had each of the pastors as couple to couple in our hotel room. And this huge deliverance for each one of them as they had some of the DNA and strongholds and stuff they'd been attached to in the past broken to free them up to move on. So I mean, everything we go through, we almost experience it and do it almost straight away because it was what we needed to happen to, to enable the church to move forward. We actually went to three churches in Singapore. And um, all of them had known for about 20 years, but all had different needs. The second guy had come out of a brethren background and strong community penetration, awesome church, done great things. But they'd also kind of gone a little bit back into their brethren ways and forgot that they need to lean into the Holy Ghost more. And it suddenly dawned on them that actually, yeah, we need to be also fortified and strengthened into not trusting in our own efforts, but into leaning into God. Mm. So that was a, a great connection. And then we went to a family camp in Malacca. Malacca is probably the Gold Coast of Malaysia. It's a very big touristy place. And their family camps, you go to these huge hotels. The whole church goes on a bus, except we went in the pastor's car. And they all stay in hotel rooms. And there's a big banquet room that you know, feeds 400 people. And they have another big room for meetings and, and all the shops and markets and everything around about. We had to ride them on one of those funny dressed up bikes that you kind of get driven around and but it was an amazing camp again this church had been through a major transition it was good for us to see it they hadn't had a camp for three years because it had a radical change lost a lot of people but radically changed and now there's new life there new vision new direction the whole thing is the whole place was quite different and poised for a whole new season I thought it was amazing one day you just had strong prophetic word over the church you spent quite a long time just prophesying and when the pastor stood up the next day, it was like you're in their board meeting. All their dreams and visions for big dreams and visions were all kind of spelled out in your prophetic word over the church. So that was very helpful for them. They got, they got trained and equipped in how to move in the spirit. 
They got delivered. They got a bit of everything, actually, six sessions over two days. But it was a great relaunching of that church into their next season ahead, and it was great to be part of it. So thank you for all your prayers. It's been outstanding. We just honor the Lord for what he's done. It's fantastic. But uh, let's give the Lord a clap. Just thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All you do, we can never outgive you. Praise the Lord. But we live here, so here's the place to build. Amen? I love what God's doing in all the nations of the earth, but there's nothing like our nation here. We need to keep believing God and stretching for lives and souls to be changed and touched. Isn't that right? Amen to that? But there's some great things God is doing. We had a, I got a connection with the man who took me over to Asia, and uh, I was interested to find out what he'd been doing. Uh, he's uh, in his 70s now. And he said, oh, well, he's working up in Ethiopia. And I said, Ethiopia? What are you doing up in Ethiopia? And uh, he said, oh, well, we've got a whole move of God taking place in Ethiopia. Massive persecution, but there's also a massive work of God. I said, when you say massive, he said, oh, yeah, there's just miracles like the New Testament. They walk in and they, just, they line up in queues for hours to come and they just get New Testament miracles. And I said, oh, what's, what's your role in there? And he said, oh, well, we're equipping... Uh, the uh, house groups, because he said the church is multiplying through houses there all over the nation. I said, define multiply. And he said, well, I've got about 240,000 groups that we're working with. And he said, that's just in that nation. We're also working in other nations. I thought, oh, man. <laughs> just when I thought I was going well. <laughs> and the 74-year-old man revs me up. So I thought it was great. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, you're 74, you've still got something to do in God. Isn't that right? You're 84, you've still got something to do. Actually, there's no such thing as passing a baton on to someone else. All that you really do is you just change your season. And I believe if you're walking with God, you've got a baton where you hang on to that thing and you're passed over when you die. There it goes. But what you do on the way changes. And so there's seasons in life. So all of us are going to have our seasons. So I was thinking of where, what to share, where to go today. And uh, I want you to look with me in Psalm uh, 23. Psalm 23, I want to speak on the rest of faith, the rest of faith. Seems an, uh, an odd sort of thing, but I've been quickening some things. And I want to share with you things he quickened to me, because I've had such a great time in the rest of faith uh, more recently. Uh, and I want to talk to you about it, and it will help you. In Psalm 23, verse 1 and 2, is that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he makes me lie down. We'll just stop right there. He makes me lie down. He makes me lie down. He makes me lie down. So David is expressing his personal relationship with God. This is a psalm written by a shepherd, and he's defining his walk with God or his relationship with God in terms of, I have made the Lord my shepherd. And if you read through all of the rest of the psalms, you'll find then he talks about the blessings that flow by faith out of that relationship. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. I'll lack for nothing. I have everything I need because I've made him my shepherd. That means, it doesn't mean he didn't have troubles or lacks in his life. In fact, he had many. He had many difficulties, many pressures, many setbacks, many kind of obstacles and all kinds of challenges. But he said, I'm never lacking because God is my provider and my source. In other words, you come to rest inside uh, in God. And uh, if you Psalms full of his battle to find that resting place. 
And notice here it says, he makes me lie down. Now most people read it like he makes me lie down in green pastures, but sheep don't lie down in green pastures. In the Bible, sheep lay down in the fold, in the sheepfold. So it reads more like this, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. It's just sometimes people don't read it right, but you'll find if you look it up in, uh, in Ezekiel 34 verse 14, it tells very clearly that he calls us to lie down in the sheepfolds. The sheepfolds were a place of protection. They were surrounded, the, the shepherd uh, slept at the doorway. It was a place where the sheep were safe. And you notice where a sheep, have you ever seen a sheep lying down? They're usually chewing the cud. And, and sheep, the thing about sheep is interesting is that they are easily disturbed. They frighten easily. They scatter easily. So when a sheep is lying down and chewing the cud, it is perfectly at rest. That means no stress, no anxiety, no pressure, no worries, no demands. It's actually at a place of rest. And notice as it says, he makes me lie down. This is something that comes from God, the ability to rest and be at peace in your heart, in life, no matter what you're facing. And of course, this is the, this is the thing. What is it that God wants you to rest from? And we'll see it's not from doing things. God expects us to be busy for his kingdom. But the rest he's talking about is an internal rest that can only, become, can only come about by faith. It's an internal rest and a peace. Everywhere, I noticed particularly when I was in Australia, the thing that stood out for me when I ministered in Sydney was this. On all the older calls, the two most common, let me tell me the two most common problems that came up in the older course. And here's what they are. Number one, anxiety. Number two, depression. How about that? It quite surprised me. Over and over and over and over again, when I ask people, what are the problems you're facing? Anxiety or worry and stress about life. And the second thing was depression, a feeling of despair that they could never get on top of the pressure they were facing in life. And so in spite of all the iPads and, and phones and texting and everything else, there's a state of increasing stress on people. People are not rested. People, in fact, are more stressed and pressured than ever before. So when it says rest, it's rest from internal stress. It's rest from anxiety, rest from fear, rest from danger. Uh, uh, the worry about what will happen in the future. Rest, it's a rest from guilt about your mistakes. It's a rest uh, from, uh, from striving to get somewhere in life. You ever look at a lot of people stressed out trying to get somewhere in life? Perhaps you are. Uh, it, it's a rest from effort, from having to work hard to be a good Christian, work hard to get the victory, work hard to get on top. It's about that. It's about resting from all of that and coming to a place where no longer do you exude stress and anxiety, but you carry an atmosphere of peace and rest in your heart. And that's something all of us can come into. So this is the rest of faith. And it's a fruit and an outcome of your relationship with God. It's not something you work. You don't work hard to get into a place of rest. Rest is something that you're doing something else. So we want to help you find that. So the next, first thing I want to look at in relationship to this rest of faith is when we look at the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about rest, not works. The kingdom of God is about rest, not works. Look what it says in Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, 
or activities of the law, but it is rather righteousness or right relationship and, what's the next one? Peace and join the Holy Ghost. Now, it would be good to just look at those two. I won't dwell on them too much today. But peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So whenever the kingdom of God is manifesting in your life, there comes peace. That's one of the first things he said. Rightly connected to God through faith and at peace in our heart. So one of the, one of the key indicators that God's kingdom is there is peace. One of the key indicators that it's not there is confusion and turmoil and distress. So wherever Jesus' kingdom is manifesting in a person's life, they come to peace. So maybe your finances. Are you at peace in your finances? Maybe your family. Are you at peace in your family? Now it doesn't mean to say there's not some difficulties. Jesus said, the peace I give you is not like the world gives. He said, I give you a peace. Now you notice again, this peace or rest that you get brings you to a place of peace in your heart where you're not in turmoil or anxiety and stress. There may be concerns. He said, the peace, my peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. He said, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Jesus said, there's a peace that can manifest in your life where you are freed up from stress and anxiety and worry, and it comes from Him. And it's not like the world gives. The world gives you peace when it's got everything around you all stabilized and no troubles. But Jesus said, there's a peace I give you which is in you in the midst of all the troubles. So he said that that's the rest. He said it's not that there will be troubles. If you're a Christian, you have troubles. If you're a believer and you're active in your faith, you'll have troubles. And some troubles will come because of things you do, some because of things others do, some because of the devil, and some because it's just troubles for being a Christian. You try to be honest. You try to do what's right, and then you have these troubles. And yes, so peace is something God gives to us. And notice this in Colossians three fifteen. It says, "Let the peace of God rule in your heart." That word "rule" is to be an umpire. You know, if you ever go down and see the netball or see the rugby, and the game is being played, anyone breaks the rules, and there it is, like that red flag or whatever. And straight away the whistle blows, and the umpire has made a decision that you have broken the rules. You've done something wrong. And the Bible says, whenever you lose your peace, something is wrong. The whistle is blowing. So today, if you are not at peace inside, the whistle is blowing on you. And so usually what happens is the referee will blow the whistle. Everyone, attention. And so everyone stops what they're doing, and then he points. You. What have I done? And then the rules, and then maybe get the red card, maybe a sinbin put off the side there. Who knows? Heaps of people get sinbin, you know. And uh, in the church, they get sinbin too. It's a horrible thing, really, isn't it? But there it is, it happens. So you notice what happens. So every time you lose your peace inside or lose the rest inside, the whistle is blowing, something's not right. And that's the warning to look at your relationship, your connection, what's going on in your thinking and in your heart, because something is not right. It's the thing. Now, I want you to have a look at this. Have a look in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 3 and 4 have got quite a bit about the rest of God. And while it's got prophetic and dispensational aspects to it, we're just going to stick with the practical of making the stuff work in your life. 
And uh, notice what it says in verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Now there's a promise remains of entering his rest. Let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. So this is a promise to receive, that we can enter his rest, whatever that means. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it, and we who have believed enter that rest. Now go down to verse 10. And he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So there it is. So here's the thing. Notice what it says. The first thing you notice is to enter rest means to cease struggling and striving. It's to cease your own works to try to accomplish something before God. Unfortunately, it's very easy to go down that route. The Old Testament law seemed to come, it comes like this. If you do this, you'll be blessed. If you do that, you'll be cursed. So tithe and you'll be blessed. Don't tithe and you'll be cursed. And so on and so forth. So you go right through and you have all of these laws. If you do this, then this will happen. If you don't do this, then this will happen. And so we, we get to have a mentality of the law that if I just do enough, I'll get what I need. If I just do enough, my parents will be pleased and dad will smile and say, well done. If I just do enough, I'll succeed. Uh, if I just do enough, I'll get a promotion. If I just do enough, and so we become wired. If I just do enough, I'll somehow get what I need. And the trouble is that we find that somehow what we do is never quite enough to get what we really think we want. And so we're left striving and struggling and wrestling. And this is true of people everywhere. And then we come to the church. And so the first thing you hear is, and is you hear the gospel. And the gospel is very clear. We are saved by, saved by what? Grace. Grace through faith. How do you get saved? Grace through faith. Grace through faith. Grace through faith. How does the rest of all your Christian life work, supposed to work? Grace through faith. Grace through faith. Grace, God's empowerment through believing. Not striving. Yet striving is where people end up. And I find so many people striving and struggling. And the striving and struggling is very subtle. And it comes up in, look, it comes up in books and resources. How many of you read a book? Four keys to this. What's implicit in that is if I just do the four things, I'll get what they say. Ten keys to a great marriage. Oh, great, if I just do the ten keys, I'll get, ten, I'll get a great marriage. You know, or five keys to breakthrough. Oh, great, if I do the five keys, I'll get a breakthrough. And then we do that, we don't get the breakthrough. And we can't work out why. And, and so we go for another book. There's the latest book. And here it is, ten keys how to do this. Five keys how to enter into this. And so on and so forth. The, the, the shops are full of them. The Christian shops are bound in books with keys. And yes, there are things we can do, but here what you've got to realize is this. The core of the work of God is believing. The core of it is believing what God is like and what God has said he's done and will do on our behalf, not trying to make it happen. So for example, a lot of Christians, and I'll just touch in the sensitive area here, and they, get, and they hear the, the scripture, and I've heard it a number of times, it's always worried me a bit really, and I say, in Malachi chapter 4, okay, here it is, and, and, oh, and it says, it, you, know, you know, prove me. Now I believe you can prove God, and this is a great, and I believe in the, in the holier of tithing and beyond tithing and giving. But people get into this thing that if, if I do it, I'll be blessed. If I don't, it, I'll be cursed. 
Now that is the law. I'm blessed. In fact, I'm blessed all the time. I'm blessed in Christ. He made me blessed. He positioned me for blessing when I believed. Now, I don't work to get blessed. I don't have to work to get the blessing. What I need to do is believe I'm blessed and align myself with what a believer should do. See, if I believe that God is my source, I'm free to give to Him and give well beyond the tithe. So many Christians are locked in on this tithe thing. And they're locked in on the law. And fear is what drives the law. Rather than actually realizing, you know, if I'm a man of faith and believe that God is my source and supply, I can give and I can give well beyond that. I can be a generous person. In fact, actually that's what God wants me to be. Not just to tithe, a legalistically tithing and wondering why I'm limited, but it wants to me to be a generous giver. A generous giver. I can remember a, a counsel one guy, and he was a pa- former pastor, and he was, he, he was sitting in a group there, the group of uh, Cook Islanders, and, and we were talking to them, and, and the guy was very grumpy, and he started off by announcing, I've just stopped tithing. I've gone to the bank and I've cancelled my tithe. And there was a deathly silence in the meeting. And all the religious people, they all, they all kind of went back because the fire of God is about to fall. Pastor's about to give him a hammering. You know, stand back, watch this. He's going to be charred. And I could feel all the pressure on me. And I, I, I looked at him and I said to him, I said, I can tell you, very sad to have done that. You must have had a lot of disappointments. I said, you know what? I said, God's not too worried about your time. Why don't you go and take yourself and your family out for a meal and give thanks to the Lord for all his abundant blessing? Until your heart comes right. I said, what you're doing is you're trying to manipulate God. You know, well, you didn't give me what I want, so therefore I'll do this. You can't, this is not how we work with God. We don't work with God that way. God is generous and loving, and because I believe that, I can respond out of a generous heart. Anyway, he, sorted, he got himself sorted out very quickly after that. But see, grace was given to him, not the law. See, so we've got to not be under the law. Jesus came to set us free from the laws of do and don'ts and to bring us into the rest that faith brings. So you notice here, it says, he that's entered into rest has ceased from his own works. Now you'll notice there are two things here. When you come into the rest of God, you enter into the benefit of his works and you cease from your own works. Get the idea? It's a ceasing from so. We'll show you how this works in just a minute. And uh, <coughs> so... So, so cease from works means to cease from struggling. So if you're struggling, striving, contending, in distress, pressure, guilt, fear, anxiety, all that kind of thing, you are struggling and striving. What is needed is to understand what God has provided for you and come to trust in that and rest from whatever's pressuring and driving those emotions inside you. Get the idea? Okay, second thing about this is this, is that repentance from dead works is quite foundational. In Hebrews 6, it says... Uh, here's the foundational doctrine of establishing your life in Christ. One of the first things you learn is repent from dead works and faith towards God. Repentance from dead works. Now notice it doesn't say there repentance from sin. It's saying repenting from working, trying to establish yourself with God. It's repenting from striving hard to please God. How can you please God more? He's pleased when you have faith in His Son and what the Son has done. He delights in His Son. And if I'm in His Son, He delights in me. 
And that's irrespective of whether I'm up and down, have problems or fall over or fall on my face, you know, or make a mistake or sin or something like that. God, it doesn't change God's view of me. It's quite interesting. My daughter had an open vision in the meeting when deliverance was taking place and I was leading the meeting and she said, I couldn't see you. I saw Jesus. You were in him. Isn't that interesting? See, that's what the demons were saying. They weren't seeing you. They were just seeing Jesus represented. Wasn't that interesting? So that takes away a lot of the stress then and the striving. If we realize then that I'm called anything that I'm doing and I'm struggling to get something God has already given me, that is a dead work. If I'm struggling to get accepted, struggling to get forgiven, struggling, 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 struggling. If I pray harder, work harder, read the Bible more, do this. Now, praying is a necessary discipline in our life. Reading the Bible is a necessary discipline in our life. But if you approach it in this thing that I have to do this in order to get something, you're going to get nothing much. What I need to come is I come into the place of faith and rest that this is a, 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 I need to engage with God. So repentance from dead works, it shifts us. It shifts us from striving to rest, from self-effort to grace. It's a shift. It's a big shift from reasoning to revelation. I need to be listening to God more instead of trying to figure it all out. From anxiety to peace. It's a shift. It's a major shift. And when you're in the shift, your life looks different to everyone else. Because they say, how come you're at peace when there's all this turmoil going on? Can't understand it. How come you're at peace? Simple, you're at rest. How come you can be at rest? Don't you understand how bad it is? Yes, I do. However, my eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ, who has promised, my peace I give to you. See, get the idea. So rest comes when you overcome the driving internal pressures and external expectations to look good. That's a pressure. To look good. In other words, to try and impress people so you look better than you really are. Why not just be authentic? This is who I really am. It'll make life a lot easier. It's easier to be authentic than it is to try and keep up an image. Image costs you a lot of money. Huge amount of money. Then when you least expect it, it falls over and fails. And some of you blow it. And someone got a photo of soy and you really blew your stack one day. And all the image is gone. The facade is so nice and cool, and it's blown away in one moment of anger. <laughs> it happens, doesn't it, eh? So, so, so when you enter your rest, you're resting in what God says, and you're focused. Now, notice the focus shifts. The focus shifts from trying harder to coming to a place of believing and dealing with the issues that stop me believing. It's where the focus is that's the difference. The focus of, of works is you try harder to get to achieve. The focus of, of rest is this. Your work is directed to dealing with the internal issues that stop you trusting God. So your focus is on the issues of trust, not trying to make something happen. And that's where the key battle is fought. It's in the heart on the issue of trust. You know, that's the whole deal. And here's an interesting thing. Uh, I won't touch on it too much, so I just want to throw it out to you. The Holy Ghost, when he came onto Jesus, notice what form did he come? Come as a dove, and he came on him as a dove, and he rested on him. Is that right? Here's the interesting thing. Doves will not rest where there's no man of peace. So here's the thing. Jesus was at peace 
and the dove came and rested. Now I'll share with you something on the, the Holy Spirit, and you'll find if you want the Holy Spirit flowing in your life, you have to come to peace in your heart. Because anything that disturbs your peace will cause the dove to flutter. That's the nature of the dove. That's why they use the picture there. It's quite simple. If, you, if, if, if there's agitation and disturbance, the doves fly. They don't stay. It's a particular type of dove. And so you'll find it rests. So if you want the Holy Spirit anointing resting and staying on you, look at that. Where did that sound? Where did that come from? Come off someone, doesn't it? Look at that lovely big red jaw. And uh, so, so the rest, now here's the thing, is the rest of God doesn't mean you're not doing anything. I've just got to make that clear before I show you how to enter the rest. Now, the rest of God doesn't mean I just lay around on my face and worship. It doesn't mean that I do nothing. You know, I'm not occupied. In fact, the Bible teaches exactly the opposite. This is about an internal positioning in your heart where you are free from fears and anxieties and turmoils of guilt and pressure, trying to please people, trying to look good, all that kind of stuff, and you've come to just be at peace in yourself with God. Great thing about the situation you happen to be currently facing. And so the Bible is very clear. I'll just quote the verse without going in there because I want to get on to Jesus' invitation. In Titus 2.14 it says, Jesus has redeemed us to be zealous for good works. That's what he's making for himself. Are people zealous for good works? Are you zealous for good works? Are you zealous to do things for God? Are you passionate to do things for God? That's the people Jesus is preparing. And here's another one, Titus 3.8. Be careful to maintain good works. In other words, be careful that you, your life is productive in doing things which advance the kingdom. Reaching out to people, talking to people, building connection with people, winning them to Christ, showing kindness to them. Uh, Titus 3.14, let our people also learn to maintain good works and meet urgent needs or show compassion that they don't be unfruitful. So the Bible's very clear about good works. Okay, but how? In, in Hebrews 4 verse 11 says, let us be diligent to get into this rest of faith. So our work is to come into a place of faith where we're free and it's natural to be generous, natural to overflow. You actually become productive. You're productive because you're no longer stressed out. This thing of being stressed out is a huge issue for people today. And fortunately, Jesus makes an invitation. Have a look at Matthew 11. And I'll show you three things Jesus said. Now, I'm not going to say they're keys, because if I say they're keys, it's something I have to do. There you go again, I have to do something. Dear Lord, so how can I preach this without saying you've got to do something? So we'll just see what we can do. Okay, have a look here. And verse 28, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, get the idea what Jesus is promising? What is he promising? Rest. And it, where's the rest? Take my yoke on you and learn of me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Notice he said, I'll give you the rest, and you'll find the rest. So he says, it's a gift from God. If it's a gift, you didn't work to, to do it. If it's a gift, it's a gift. It cannot be worked. Notice he says, gift, my re the rest is something I give you. So if it's something I, God gives, I've got to receive, and I receive everything by faith. And he says, not only that, he said, it's something you'll find. In other words, you've got to pursue it. You've got to pursue this to come to place of peace in your heart. Now, a lot of people are not at peace in their heart, and there's every kind of thing agitates them. Now, listen, there's every reason for you not to be at peace in your heart. There's, 
issues in marriage, issues with children, there's issues in church, there's issues in relationships, there's issues of injustice, there's issues of offenses, there's issues of pressures and stress and work. Man, the world is just full of it. And you took, you look, this week I encourage you, look around the people you know and see how many are stressed out, uptight and not at rest. You will be amazed. They're all like that. They're all like that. And Jesus said, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be stressed out. Don't be uptight. There's some remedies for that in me. There's a rest you can come to in the middle of all the strife. And so he, he then talks about how you receive the rest. That's a better one. How do I receive that rest? Well, I just come in here. <gasps> okay, Jesus, I receive it. He, he gives three parts to receiving rest. And they're all to do with relationship and trust. All of them. They're not things you can run around and do. Here they are. Those are number one. He's, he's, he extends the invitation to everyone who labors, that's wearied, troubled, turmoil, heavy laden, load up, burdened down with all sorts of things to do. And the invitation is one to find rest from all the have-tos of life. And how's it, how's it going to come? Well, number one, that's what he tells us. Come to me. Well, I didn't want you to say that. I wanted you to say, here's the principle. Here's the rule to follow. And here's the, here's the rule to follow. Come to him. You come to a person. Well, I thought there was something I had to do. Yes, a relationship. Connect. That's what he said, come to me. He said, come to me. He said, the connect, connection to a person, not a principle. It's not something to do. It's a person to come to. It's a person. He's the one who's got the peace. If you're in, in turmoil, it's peace. It rest is found in him. Peace is a gift from him. So it comes through the connection. He is the Prince of Peace. So I'm going to come to rest. The rest will come out of my connection with him. So I need to, how do I want to do that? What does it mean, come to me? I thought I'd already come to him. I come up the front and pray to sinner's prayer, and now today I'm in turmoil. No, it actually means to just change your focus from the problem and put your focus back on Jesus. It means pushing out of your mind the things that are troubling you and recenter around him again. Get your mind set on him again. And that takes a bit of discipline. The discipline is not to get Jesus to give you rest. The discipline's push the other rubbish out. That's where the work is. The work is coming to a place where I'm rest I have confidence and trust that God is going to meet my every need. You see, why you get anxious is because you're not sure that God is going to meet your need. And so I'm anxious, I'm uptight, I've got to work hard to get this need met. But if, what if God were to meet it? Where would your anxiety go then? So you've got a bill come, come up and you've got not enough money in the account and the stress of how I'm going to pay this thing. And so the pressure is focused, the, the, the focus is on the problem. But what if I was to shift my focus to him and allow my heart to meditate on the truth, I shall not want, because he's looking after me. That takes the pressure off me figuring the solution to the problem, puts it back with him, and I can come to peace. It's a relationship. It's about connecting with Jesus. And that is where the trouble lies. We'd rather have something to do. <laughs> we need to pray in tongues for half an hour. Oh, that's it. Blah, 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 blah. I still feel stressed. C can you understand? It, it, it's the, the rest is the person connecting to the person. So the 
is when we have trouble connecting to Jesus, something got in the way. Now, the moment you try to connect with him, whatever's in the way of connecting him will come up into your mind to be dealt with. And you'll see it's about trust. It's always about trust. Notice he says, come to me. And that's what Peter said, Peter, Jesus said, come. He said, he started to come. Now, while he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was walking on the water. As soon as he got his eyes on the circumstances, all grace and power left him and he began to sink. Okay, here's the last two things. He said, take my yoke on you. Take my yoke on you. Now, that's something we can do. One, we can choose to come to him or not. We can take the yoke. The yoke is the teaching and lifestyle, of course. And it means following his lifestyle. Now, here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus was surrounded by turmoil. He was surrounded by people with agendas. He was surrounded by hostility. He was surrounded by people, yet even betrayers and traitors next to him. He was surrounded by pressures and expectations, but he never lost his peace. He always remained at peace. You know, even when his friends pressured him, he remained at peace. Now, how did he remain at peace? He says, take my yoke. So to take the yoke means to follow his lifestyle. So you take the yoke means actually to use him as your model Ask, what would Jesus do in this situation? How would Jesus handle the situation? To take the yoke on, uh, how did Jesus handle it? He just listened to what the Father had to say. So how did Jesus handle all that stress? One, he just refused to be dominated by it. And two, he just began to listen, Father, what do you want me to do? So the Lord was speaking to me about this stuff earlier on in the year. And then this time away, then he required me to do it. And so the first meeting was great. I had 10 meetings in, uh, at night time plus two training sessions in a day, for all, every day. And uh, so these 10 meetings, the power evangelism meetings, I got one message the first night. That was it. I thought, that's great. I got a message. Praise God. The next night come, no message. I sweated and sweated and sweated. I was no rest for me then. I know how to get up in front and speak. I've come, I've come all this way. There's no message. This is horrible, Jesus. Help! So there was a little bit of stress. And tension. And then I just stopped. I said, look, I need to get my eyes back on Jesus. Got my eyes back on him. Then an idea suddenly came to mind. I should think of some altar calls. Write some altar calls. I wrote an altar call down. Then I wrote another one. Then I had a whole list of them. I thought, oh, perhaps he just wants me to do altar calls tonight. That's a bit different. I got up there. And the very first altar call I'd written, there was a woman who had a testimony on that very issue. I never even got to do all the other altar calls that night because it was just the one she gave the testimony on was the one I'd written down and was the one everybody came up and got. There's a massive deliver. We were busy all night. There was no time to preach a message. Oh, I fitted in a bit of preaching. I did a five-minute job, and all these people come up and got saved. But God moved. I thought, and the Lord said, and said the same thing happened every night. I had to learn to rest. I didn't like it, I can tell you. We've got to learn to rest. You know, it's something you have to learn to do, to learn to rest in him. Take my yoke. Loss of peace is a signal you've got your eyes on him. And the, and the final thing is learn from me. Learn from me. Well, how are you going to do learn from me? It's a simple thing. Ask him questions. Ask the Lord questions. Learning in, in, from a Hebrew point of view was asking questions, asking questions, listening, gaining insight, gaining revelation, gaining wisdom for life. You've got to ask the questions. And you see, what you do a lot better in life doing is this. If you ask God good questions when you're in difficulty, and what would that look like? Well, you've got distress. There's something there and something's gone wrong. Lord, I've lost my peace. Lord, I just recenter my life back on you. I push this thing at your feet because it's a care that's distracting me. And you just begin to worship him until you come to a place of just at rest. Then, Lord, 
Now, I want to learn from you. How do I handle this thing? What do I do? How, what, what, what do I need to learn in this situation? Don't ask, why? That's not going to, it's not going to work. He won't answer that one. He'll ask the other questions, the ones where you learn. Those ones he'll always answer. And then be quiet to hear his replies. It may come immediately to your heart and spirit. You may have a thought come to your mind. Or you may just be reading the word of God and the insight comes. Come to me, all that labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke on you. Learn of me. Why can you learn of me? Because I've got two qualities that are really amazing. One is I'm meek and the other is I'm humble. Humble means I accept who I am according to what God says about me and I trust God. And I'm meek. It doesn't mean I don't get angry and uptight about everything that goes on. I've got my inner life under management. Meek, humble. Meek, humble. Opposite of meekness is anger. <laughs> you know, like that, you know? Why am I so angry? What is happening in my heart? What is it I need to learn? Where do I need to let go of my rights? What is the injustice I need to let go of? That's the kind of questions God will answer so you can come to peace. And then in the, and in the asking the questions, you'll find peace. Because you give you the insight. Now, this is a lifestyle. But believe me, this is the lifestyle Jesus wants us to have, is to come to peace and rest. Does that mean you solved all the problems? Nah. But what it does mean is you're not letting the problems get inside you and wreck your life. So when people look at you, they say, there's one thing I don't want to be in the world is like you. You're miserable, sad, angry, depressed, and you're a Christian. I don't think I want this Jesus you're talking about. Can you understand? And this is the problem. This is why Christ is misrepresented so much because we haven't learned to come to the place that the rest of faith brings and learn to relax and enjoy the journey. Amen? Let's close our eyes. Father, we just thank you. You're teaching us, helping us. Lord, you're speaking to our hearts and lives today. I wonder if anyone here has never made the decision to receive Jesus. Today would be a great day to start. Make that decision to connect with God, connect through Jesus Christ. Jesus said to all who received him and believed on him, he gave power to become something, a child of God. Not just power to do something, power to become something. Power, the right and privilege to be a child of God. If you're here today and you have not made that decision, I'd love you just to raise your hand so I'd like to respond, receive Christ today. Anyone here today to receive, receive Christ? I just want to give that invitation. Maybe others here today. How many felt challenged about this whole issue of rest in your personal life? You realize there's many turmoils and you, you don't stay at rest very long. You like to be at rest in a meeting like this for an hour or two hours on Sunday, but the rest of the week it's not quite like that. And felt God just speak to you to, start to, to just start to develop and cultivate your intimacy, your faith, your trust in Him. If you felt God challenging you today, just raise your hand right now. Would you do that? God bless, God bless. So many people. I, I just believe it's a real word that God wants us to get a hold of in our hearts. doesn't mean we're not busy for God. It means in the busyness we're at rest. We're at rest from strife, fear, anxiety, trouble. Father, I just pray that, Lord, as we've looked at these keys, <laughs> Lord, that we will come to experience the reality of being at peace and being at rest in Jesus' mighty name. Why don't you just pray for someone next to you that they'll experience the blessings of that. You might even have a prophetic word to encourage them and bless them in their journey. God bless you. Have a great week, everyone.